Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. This podcast brought to you by Levi Solicitors. Get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. And I'm joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Fancy getting all the lowdown on Leeds United delivered directly to your inbox every day. It'll save you the hassle of trolling through Twitter, trying to keep up with what's happening. Our new daily email propaganda comes as part of TSB Plus, our new subscription package, And that's kind of the cherry on the icing on the cake. You also get all our podcasts ad-free and it's the only place to get the extra ball. And you get early access to the Match Ball podcasts after the games. And of course, you get full access to all our digital magazines, including the most recent one. Loads more benefits too. Details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Let's get white watching. And last week we questioned when the seven goal thrillers would stop and our prayers were answered. A nice one nil away win. Routine, if you like it. Plucky little Sheffield United. It's often the case when you play these smaller teams, isn't it? They'll they'll hold out for you know eighty ninety minutes, but then the the class just tells in the end. And I think it was a classic example of that. It was supposed to be another high scoring all action goal fest, wasn't it? But it didn't quite turn out that way. I'm not entirely sure why. Well, I know why Sheffield United didn't score because Ilan Mazier is the best goalkeeper in Europe, if not the world. And it's going to be for the next 15 to 20 years. So we're recording this on Monday, uh, 24 hours on from the full-time whistle. We did the match ball with our immediate reaction. Has anything changed in the intervening 24 hours? Um, Do you think we got it right on the match ball that it was a fairly tight game that we just shaded? Or was it a fully deserved away victory for a side pushing for European places? One thing I I have realised since, thanks to LUFC data with this heat map on Twitter, we did all of the match ball and I realised afterwards I didn't actually know where Stuart Dallas was playing and I'm still not sure now. Can either of you help? Midfield. Right. Just all of it. That's all I need to know. Yeah, generally. I mean, the, the change from usual things was that we, we went three at the back in the first half and used uh, Costa and Harrison as wing backs, which is different because normally it's been Stuart Dallas and Luke Ayling have been full backs and then Costa and Jackie just play as old-fashioned attacking wingers, but that meant the um, three in the middle, Click, Dallas and Phillips, were much more required to roam around. And I think there's the combination of the, the man-to-man instructions and when you're going forward of looking for space along Bielsa's prescribed preferences. And yeah, you just run around, just just dominate the pitch if you're in Bielsa's midfield because I think you've highlighted Stuart Dallas's touch map but then you look at Calvin Phillips and uh, what's-his-face matches click, put them all together, midfield, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, Calvin is an, uh, notably further back than the other two but they're basically all everywhere. Yeah, and Stuart Dallas is notably more to the left and then there's nobody really uh, dominating the right side we tended to do most of our attacking through Jackie Harrison because Helda Costa was a bit useless apart from when they, they tried swapping wings. But there's sometimes, I mean, I know Brian Clough is a bit of a persona non grata in Leeds. I'm sure I've probably mentioned this before in these kind of conversations. His conversations with his players where he would tell his his right back, would say, what instructions have you got for me? He'd say, well, you defend the right-hand side of the pitch, young man. And... The midfield, it says, well, play in the middle of the field. <laughs> it's kind of, there's not always much more that it needs to be said. It was Dallas Clicks and Phillips's job 
to be better than Sheffield United in the middle of the pitch. They were the midfielders. That was their job. And they did it. And it meant that they did it all over the pitch. Well, we have a little dive into the numbers. Um, We've referenced before on the podcast, the attacking momentum graph, which if you've never seen it, it's on SofaScore, which you can look up on the internet and they have an app as well. But what it does is it shows, uh, it's like a bar graph, but it's got two sides to it. There's the home side at the top and the more prominent their attacks are, the higher the bar and the away side at the bottom and the more prominent those attacks are, the lower the bar. And what it does show is that we did have the lion's share of the attacking momentum. They had sort of one, two, three, maybe about half a dozen spells overall over the course of the game, but we had sustained pressure and possession for quite long stretches. It was kind of how the game felt as well, that the first half, the bar chart is kind of just on our side, but only just for the majority of it, because we did have a lot of the ball without necessarily doing a huge amount with it. Whereas in the second half, you can see a, a quite obvious step up in the pressure we were putting on. And I know Chris Wilder wasn't happy with it, but looking at that, you would have to probably say it was a, a fair result. I mean, the, the way they categorise chances as well, they list it as two big chances each. So maybe a draw would have been a fair result. I'm not sure, but I'm, I like this chart because it shows that we were better. So I'm going to choose to use that. And that's how statistics work. I think Chris Wilder's point and some of the Sheffield United fans feel that because we didn't translate our pressure and our possession into the kind of guilt-edged chances that Melier channeled the spirit of Dino's off to, to stop, that we didn't really deserve much more out of the game than them. And there's maybe a, a smidgen of truth in that, particularly the first half we weren't exactly there was only that Stuart Dallas shot that went to the top corner that was another decent save and I think overall the strange thing about this game was if it had finished nil-nil you probably would have said yeah that was a fair result if it had finished 5-0 to Leeds United you would also have said yeah that's probably a fair result and it was kind of down to that question of we weren't really making the the chances that the possession certainly in the second half deserved a lot of that well Probably in the first half, it's because Tyler Roberts wasn't playing in a particularly creative or influential way. And in the second half, it was because Rodrigo was. But as I mentioned on the match ball, I think his understanding with some of the players around him isn't there yet. So there was some things where you think if he's maybe played 20, 30 games, those through balls are going to just nestle very gently on Pat Bamford's instep. Whereas instead, they were kind of flying three feet behind him so it wasn't quite coming off before we come on to Chris Wilder let's have another little dive into the themes we picked up on in the match ball Meslier being brilliant Pat Bamford evolved into a goal machine which is great Rodrigo there who you've uh, just mentioned Moscow better from him you can see he's sort of gelling with them now and Bielsa did confirm that there was no injury we found out it was just a tactical substitution towards the end but Leeds fans knew that it's just the wider world doesn't quite get how he works yet these people didn't see us last season, did they? When we did this with Pablo in pretty much every game, he was it was just a recurring pattern. And he doesn't want to take off Pat, does he? Because he loves Pat. It was the amount of stoppage time was the key to it. You know, we'd scored, gone 1-0 up and there was still five minutes to play. And in that five minutes, we weren't going to be going for 2-0. So what was the point in having a creative player? You needed a, somebody to just go on and be destructive. So send Alioski on. Because five minutes, there's... I was thinking about it when the, the the substitution was made and the confusion it kind of inspired on BT Sport. It's not really understood that five minutes is a long time. The traditional approach seems to be where you just you just leave the lads on the pitch to see the game out. Whereas Bielsa's thinking, well, five minutes is that's um, what proportion of a match is that? That's a eighteenth of a match. It's a long time. I mean. Brian Clough again said it only takes a second to score a goal. There's ages left when the five minutes board goes up. So it's time for a tactical substitution because there's a new phase of the game beginning that is completely different to the 45 minutes that have gone before it and requires a different approach. And the different approach requires different players. There's, um, there's no point in saying to Rodrigo, right, you need to start tackling their midfielders, drop deep, play a different role. He's not good at it when you've got Alioski there who is better at it than him. And all this kind of gentlemanly, this Frank Lampardish code of you can't substitute a substitute, game's changed. You know, he's got to he's got to come off. It, he's, he's not the right player for the moment. 
And um, a mature player will recognise that, and I'm sure Rodrigo won't have a problem with it. It does go to show, doesn't it, that while we're immersed in Leeds United world, and obviously have been for many, many years, how anonymous the championship is compared to the Premier League and how little people regard it and just how little awareness there is of what actually goes in on in there. I mean, now we're out of it. I, I would say it's been it's treated with the respect it deserves. It's a, it's a daft little league. I do struggle with it. I noticed when um, Bielsa turned up at the Huddersfield Forest game on Friday night, I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe I should watch this to see if you know Huddersfield are becoming a a Leeds 2.0 under Carlos Corbran. And I, I turned it on and I watched five minutes and I just thought, I don't fucking care. So <laughs> I turned it off. <laughs> I, I, you know, Huddersfield can, can become the greatest team since Brazil 1970 if they want. I won't give a fuck. It's just not important. Let's talk about Chris Wilder then. And he thought there was a foul in the build-up to the goal that we scored. I mean, if that's given as a foul, I mean, you have seen him given in the Premier League, but if that one in particular is given as a foul, then the game is, as the saying goes, in relation to all these daft handballs, dead. Chris Wilder would, on another day, definitely have gone mad about a free kick beam for stuff like that. And he would have said the exact same thing. Game's gone soft. You can't even, you can't put a foot in, can you? What, it's meant to, be a, meant to be a contact sport. It's a physical game. You wouldn't have got me going down with that, that sort of a soft tackle in my day. Blah, 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 droning on and fucking on. But as it happened to one of his players, he was like, oh, I think that was I think that was a free kick and that's not very fair, is it? Dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the, um, the Sheffield United teams that he played in in Division 2 with a certain agricultural approach that they took in his day and whether something like that would have given, been given as a free kick. You're right, though. I mean, it, it, they are sometimes given as a free kick, but I don't think he can massively moan. And it's not. And there was a lot of other stuff that happened after that as well. They had other opportunities. They could have just defended it instead. It's too difficult. And worth saying that the ref had a bloody good position on it. If you watch the replay of it, he's close to it. He sees exactly what's happening and we ultimately nicked the ball off them. If you saw Click going, he didn't touch him. He just went in there and got the ball and set up a goal, which meant we won the game because we're brilliant. A Premier League referee is better. I feel like it was very rare in the Championship we got through three games without having a major moan about anything. I know there was the cock and ball, but we've since seen that that was just the way things are now. And other than that, I don't feel like we've had a huge amount to complain about. Stick with it. I will say that I got through the game on Sunday without much thinking about VAR. It occasionally entered my consciousness when you thought, well, I wonder if VAR, I'll have a look at that. But actually, it was quite light in that regard, wasn't it? It it didn't feel like it interfered with the game too much. But I think maybe having that as a, well, quote unquote, safety net possibly helps. But I agree with you that they generally get most things right, even if, it's become a non-contact sport now and you can't touch a man without it being a free kick, but they seem to apply that equally for both sides. I mean, maybe it's easier without a crowd there. I'm not sure, but I don't know. It just feels like you don't get quite, well, we not had Mike Dean, yeah, you don't get the Keith Stroud types making it all about them in quite the same way. You seem to get the odd person in the championship very much looking to be recognised, whereas the, maybe the ones in the Premier League are happy that they're just in the Premier League and get on with doing a normal job. But as Moscow said, let's wait. We're going to be absolutely slagging someone off soon. And your thoughts on Wilder's post-match comments as well, just to tie that up, thinking that they should have won rather than us. You watch the game, I don't agree with Marcelo's opinion. They deserve to win. Well, I don't agree with you, Chris. So there, that's two against one, isn't it? The thing is, he's not hes not necessarily wrong because it is a game that could have gone either way. But just the way he says it... <laughs> Don't say it quite like that. He comes across all... He always, he, he's a bit of a habit of doing this. Even when Sheffield United got promoted, he managed to come out of it. What was an amazing achievement and he must obviously be a very good manager. And I don't actually completely hate him, but he managed to turn Sheffield United going up into him coming across as a bit of a, a bitter old divorced dad. He does tread the line between kind of uh, rightly partisan and I like a bit of firing things and I'm, I'm never keen when it's all just too too respectful it's good to have a, a coach who is a fan of the the team that he manages and um so much so that he had that weird line in his pre-match press conference about Leeds nicking all of Sheffield United's good players and everyone's going back thinking did Rob Hulse is he talking about how far back is this is this going and you realize it um it probably is going all the way back to Mick Jones in 1968 that he's just never forgiven any of it and every single one since has been the uh, 
the one game that Tony Agana played on loan for us is still just absolutely, as soon as he's, he's had a drink, it all comes bubbling back to the surface again. But so that, that's the kind of the good side of him is I kind of enjoy his uh, his support of his own team. But he does too easily kind of slip over into that just kind of very bitter, one-eyed, little chip on his shoulder type of stuff that he could probably rise above. You can you can think Sheffield United are the best team in the world, but you can also look at that match and not feel like you were on the end of some stinging injustice. I think maybe if you know him better, like his comment about the slide tackling Bielsa, it was a joke and you can kind of tell that he's trying to make it into a joke, but it's not particularly funny and it's got a little edge to it that you might make you think if you had ended up chatting to me in a pub, like, I'm just going to... Just going to go back, back elsewhere, mate. It seems a bit, yeah, just someone who seems like they might start a fight at some point. I still haven't found this slide tackling Bielsa comment. What did he say? It was, I think it was, it was on BT. He just said it was because he was being interviewed as Bielsa walked past and he, he just said, oh, Bielsa's walking right towards me now, actually. He said, he, oh, no, he's, he's, he's giving me a swerve. He said, it's probably, probably for the best or I might have slide tackled him. So he's something along those lines anyway. Right. It was fine. Yeah. Like it wasn't, he's not saying I want to hurt him. It was a joke, but it's just in his general tone that he has, it just sounded a little bit, a little bit like, well, while he was joking, also he would like to kick him. Yes. There is that beautiful passive aggressive tone to it. You're absolutely right. And that analogy you've made there about being a dickhead in a pub is exactly that dickhead, isn't he? Where you think in about an hour's time when he's sunk another couple of pints of Stella, He's going to be looking for it. He's not just going to be talking about it. He'll be out there looking for that trouble. Challenging people to darts and then losing and then getting, making them play pool with him instead and then threatening to knock their head in outside because they're lost again. He's got his own rules for pool as well. And how did the Sheffield United fans take it? Well, we've seen some of the, um, the aftermath on Twitter, which is always good value. People, uh, grown men, I, I presume they are, um, tweeting the word leads, but with two stars instead of the E's, like it's a swear word. Uh, well done, uh, lads. Sorry, sorry, L star DS. Well done. There is a chap on uh, YouTube who seems to be one of their main video bloggers. You know, th- there's two that I found. One is a very young man wearing their new away kit sitting in front of. He is actually in his bedroom. I know there's a cliche about bedroom bloggers, but you can see his iron bedstead behind him. It looked very short. I mean, he seemed like a normal sized person in you know sitting in the chair, but I did wonder whether he's comfortable in his bed because it. I don't know if it's the angle it was filmed at, but it's. It didn't seem um, there for a, a full-sized adults. But as I say, he was um, very young, so maybe he's uh, he's littler than he looked. A grown man, though, um, in good nick, he has a big thing on his screen that says he's got ten thousand subscribers. So I guess he's somebody. He seemed to think the rivalry with Leeds is a, is approaching proportions that are quite painful to a Sheffield United fan. Lads, 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 we've just got a loss to Leeds United 1-0 at home. I am devastated. I'm not going to lie. I am really, really gutted. Um, it's almost as bad as losing at, like losing to Wednesday these days. I think that's probably only because us and Leeds have, uh, in the last few seasons, been quite neck and neck. But it's a very, very good rivalry, a very healthy rivalry. Don't get me wrong, it's not it's not the only match that bothers to me. Like if, if we got beat by Wednesday, it would stay with me for a good few weeks. I'll be over this by tomorrow. And it is my birthday tomorrow as well, so let's hope I am over it by tomorrow. I think what's most uh, frightening about listening to him there basically now I've got it in headphones, is the, the baleful influence that Neil Warnock still holds <laughs> yes. over the red and white stripes. It's your birthday as well, isn't it? <laughs> Sharon's baked as a cake, but they oh, lads, lads, lads. I mean, I'm absolutely devastated with those, losing them bastard strimleys. I mean, it's one thing losing to Wednesday, but bloody hell, lads. Yes, they're at good rivalry, though, isn't it? Yeah, you can't fault the rivalry. He's got a similar knowledge to Neil Warnock when it comes to football as well, because um, he seems to think that, or he seems to have expected that there would have been absolutely no difference between the Leeds United that were not promoted when Sheffield United were, which is, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago now and now. 
overall, this was probably a nil-nil if it wasn't for a bit of poor defending. Excellent cross. I thought Jack Harrison was incredible. Like, I'm going to give Leeds a lot of respect here because... I didn't, ex I didn't think Leeds were as good as this. I think, obviously, with them having pretty much the same squad or the same core group of players in that first team, I thought they were going to be very similar to um, the season that we had in the Championship together. I think they've obviously improved a lot. Same with us. We've got a very similar group, um, and we've improved a lot. I had to cut him off there because what comes after that is just nonsense. You know, no, no, Billy Sharps, you know, he's, he's whatever. But a lot of love for um, Jackie Harrison. He's obviously not caught on to his proper name, but he goes on his, um, his overall assessment of the game included. Uh, I mean, he praises him using the exact phrases that I think every Leeds fan has thought the same about Jackie Harrison since the, the day he came through the door. But there's also in this is a kind of, um, it's interesting that he really does join in on what everybody always seems to say about Pat Bamford and probably always will. Onto the goal, it had to be Patrick Bamford, didn't it? It had to be. Like, oh, the Muppets from Leeds and all this lot. Fair play to him. Bamford was so much better today than I expected. I don't think he's a very good player. Uh, today, he's changed my mind. I still don't think he's a great player, but I think he can be Premier League quality. And he's obviously shown it in the first three games. Uh, that was a very, very good, uh, very well-worked goal today. I love seeing those sorts of goals. They're the sorts of goals that Billy Sharp scores, where you peel off the defender, they've lost you, and then you're all on your own to edit in the back of the net. Love them types of goals. And Jack Harrison's crossing today was impeccable. The, the Leeds know exactly what to do. Get it out to Jack Harrison, and he can pick that cross pretty much every time. It was absolutely killing him, wasn't it, there to just say, do you know what? They're really good and Bamford's taking a step up. I don't think he's very good. I don't, I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's very good, but it could be Premier League. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it against you, Billy. I'm still, it, it, it's, if anything, it, it, it reminded me of you, you know? You know? So it, it, that makes it all right, you know? It doesn't sit really. I think Bamford could actually score the 38 and 38 I'm predicting and at the end of the season player of the year will probably go to Rodrigo and there'll still be people like dickheads like me going yeah but you know is he is he really that good I love the Harrison stuff his crossing ability 100% on the money every single time obviously every Leeds fan who's watched him for the last two and a half seasons would agree never never a cross um, missing by more than a hair's breadth from its ordained target Phil Hay is going to be celebrating the rise of Spider-Boy this week on The Athletic. And it's lovely as well that now we are up here in the rarefied air in the Premier League that you can write about a Pep Guardiola, Marcelo Bielsa head-to-head. -head. That's coming this week as well. And we've got the Phil Hay Show podcast coming too, uh, where we'll talk about Sheffield United, Man City transfers and loads more. On The Athletic, you can get all Phil's stuff. Doesn't stop there though. There's Premier League, football and sport from around the world. Quality journalism as it's meant to be. And you can get The Athletic for a quid a month at the moment. Details at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let's dive into the other Leeds United related stuff now then. Diego Llorente confirmed, didn't make the uh, bench on Sunday. A little bit too soon for him, Bielsa said. But he's in from Sociedad, 27 years old. Happy with that then? A third senior centre-back? Didn't make our podcast last week, I don't think either, did he? We talked about Rodrigo de Paul. Did he get a mention at all? I can't remember. He seemed, he was dominating the week after we recorded. I mean, I have no idea what we're ever talking about. I barely listen <laughs> to, uh, to a word you're saying. But um, for the rest of the week, certainly it was the, is he actually going to come? I think we've got Brighton to thank for a lot of this because we, we obviously wrote down the number we were willing to, to spend on Ben White. That wasn't going to happen. And then spent a proportion of it on Robin Cock. And then... We've got all this stuff left. Well, what are we going to do with it? Might as well buy somebody else. What else are you going to do? When you look at what we've got in terms of Cox's performance on Sunday, very, very good. Another senior Spanish international in the squad. It looks like really good business. I would have loved Ben White to have come and played for Leeds this year. I think it would have been lovely to see him in the Premier League. Even if he was put on his ass twice 
by Marcus Rashford. I think he's an exceptionally good footballer, Ben White. However, this is starting to look all right, isn't it? When you when you say like you say there, Moscow, the combined fees are somewhere in the ballpark of what Ben White would have cost. I think this transfer shows a little bit how Bielsa might have changed us as well, because it's rare that you just get a third centre back and you have fans going three centre backs. This is ridiculous. There's no need for this. What's he What's he thinking? What are we even going to do? We must be going to change formation or something if you're going to have three centre-backs in your squad. It's funny as well, because if you go back to uh, just after the Cardiff game, when Pascal Stroik was essentially being thrown in the bin, and then now this guy comes up, he's like, well, what about Pascal Stroik? He was brilliant against Liverpool. When's he going to get a game? We were talking the other day about this being Liam Cooper's 200th performance and going back to his 100th. After the 100th performance, if you'd have said to us that we'd just signed a Spanish international to go play potentially alongside a German international, but Liam Cooper was still going to be getting in ahead of them, you would have quite rightly thought we were mental. But here we are. Well, Marcelo Bielsa's refusing to take any credit for all these players wanting to sign for him. He's far too humble for that. But Juventus did say, I can learn a lot from Bielsa and improve my football. It's an honour to play for him. So the coach has been an important factor to be here. It does make a difference. Imagine if we'd somehow, you know, scraped into the Premier League with Paul Leckingbottom. These guys aren't going to come and play for that little idiot, are they? Whereas Marcelo Bielsa has the you know, the prestige and the, and the knowledge as well. Because Robin Cox said that he was sent a lot of videos and kind of tactical hints from Bielsa about how he would play if he came to Leeds and you'd probably look at that and go yeah that seems that seems fine whereas if uh, if you'd had Heckingbottom whatsapping him videos of what Yadom used to do for him at Barnsley it, it's not going to have quite the same impact so he is a factor and his modesty is probably also a factor I think a, a player is going to like knowing that they will say I am coming to this club Part of the reason is because I think Marcelo Bielsa is a great manager. And instead of the manager being out there saying, yep, he's only here because of me, because I'm mint, we'll actually, you know, put that in the, the category it deserves and put the club first and the, the, the player first. You think it, it all wraps up into a, a very good package. And obviously the training ground is still first class. We've, I don't think we're past the days when uh, a player still talked about Thorpe Arch impressing them. No, Billy Painter would always say, oh, it's, you know, I've looked at the training ground. It's a big step up from Swindon. Are we still getting that from, from our new lot? If not, they need to go back, do these interviews again and say it. I think it was certainly more of a factor when we were signing people from Northampton and Wealdstone. I think it was more of a step up for those lads. But the wider city area, very important for these lads. Cause, and I think it's nice that there's kind of a little pockets of different cultures in there as well because he's able to call up on, on Pablo Hernandez and say, is this going to be all right? And Pablo said, yeah, yeah, great great for me and the family. Get yourselves over here. I think that's exactly as the conversation went. So um, that's very pleasing. All led from the front, of course, by Victor Orta, who's been doing the tours of the airports again. And last time he was spotted was Manchester Airport on Friday morning, wasn't it? And he claimed, or was he trying to throw us off the scent that he was going to go to Amsterdam? But... It remains to be seen exactly who or what he was tying up a deal for. I did enjoy the reply to all that on Twitter from somebody who said uh, the poor bloke has absolutely no chance if he ever wants to just conduct a, a run-of-the-mill affair, which I think <laughs> the, the phrase that was used. He, he, I mean, it's even uh, more difficult in COVID times when obviously everyone's under pressure for justifying where they're leaving the house. He's got absolutely no chance of any sort of personal life whatsoever, as he, Victor, I'm all for it. Keep an eye on him, I say. The spec. I mean, yeah, it was last. It was last week we were recording. There was the pic, the blurry picture of him in TGI, wasn't there? And we were. Someone was claiming. People were tweeting other like Italian journalists asking if that was the back of his neck, as if anyone would have an intimate knowledge of the back of Rodrigo de Paul's neck. I mean, from a picture taken on a camera phone from about fifty meters away. I mean, that one doesn't seem to be happening, does it now? But do we even care? Now we're getting. Michael Cuisance. Mickey Croissants, as we're going to call him, I think. Is that not easier? I think that seems fair enough. What does Cuisance mean? Do you know? Croissants. Sounds like cuisine. Food? It means croissants. It just means croissants. Yep. Yep. So you're saying the French for the French for croissants isn't croissants. That's correct. It's yeah. croissants. That's right. Okay. Um. <laughs> right, well, I trust I trust you, a man from Bradford. <laughs> it has it has the uh, the air of being like a, a word for an atmosphere or something, doesn't it? Like you might say... 
you know, we went to a, a little restaurant. There was a certain cuisance <laughs> in the air, a little je ne sais cuisance. He looks good, doesn't he? And he fits the bill for Bielsa, does uh, Mickey Croissants. Right price bracket. Sort of following this around Twitter and seeing what people are saying about him, saying he's, he's hugely talented um, as a prospect in terms of one of the best they've seen coming through in the French system for, for many, many years. And Leeds United are no commenting this one, which suggests it's very much on the, the jungle drums all um, banging that particular beat. It looks like it might just happen. Yeah, it seems like some of the more outlandish things this summer... People have asked the club and they've straight away gone, who? No, definitely not. Whereas this one they've gone, yeah, maybe we, maybe we like croissants, maybe we don't. Who knows? But it'd be, he's still only 21 years old and he's he was player of the year for Munch and Gladbach when he was about 12 years old as well. So he's he's got something about him. He also has a Welcome to Leeds YouTube video, which is an absolute prerequisite these days for anyone we're linked to. His Wikipedia page also says that he's won the Champions League with Leeds United, which feels um, a little bit previous, but... Um... Uh, I admire the optimism. You mentioned him being a, a French youth prospect and one of the best. He's He came through the academy at Nancy, and I always take any opportunity to refer to the French town and club, Nancy. A Nancy boy? No, no. I mean, leave it in its uh, its rightful place as uh, the name of a, of a femme fatale in a, a film noir. Nancy is where it's from. And Cuisance, it appears to be a river. Its mouth is in Lue. And it looks like it runs through a bois. That's the river croissants, isn't it? Yes, it is the uh, the, the very tasty river croissants. The uh, when it when it is in a bois, it is passing through a town that has been awarded two flowers by the National Council of Towns and Villages um, for their um, villages in bloom competition. Oh, only two. How many can you get? How many are available? Well, I think that's pretty good, considering that there is also a hydroelectric power station there, which are often not the most pretty pieces of architecture. And uh, balanced against Louis Pasteur is from there. His house still contains his bathtub, I presume, is filled with water from the the river croissants. It was Louis Pasteur who invented uh, milk, wasn't it? I believe. <laughs> yes, it was. There's also there's a fountain of. I mean, we're talking about a, a river of croissants as if it's something funny. But this town has a fountain of lions. Fuck me. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, Mickey Croissants. Smarter Scout are saying that he's very good at ground jewels, which sounds almost like medieval jousting or something like that. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing this. No, ground jewels is moles. You know, when moles have a fight. Pat Bamford's still got moles, hasn't he? He has the, uh, all the action in Pat Bamford's back garden. So if you imagine um, Bamford will know all about it because he's been out there with his spade, hasn't he, whacking them about. But yeah, mole on mole, the ground jewel. Doesn't look like we're getting uh, Ruslan Malinovsky if we're getting uh, Mickey Croissants in midfield. Same story for uh, Tune Koopminers, who's at AZ Alkmaar, who looks very, very talented as well. Um, he's the one who's quite left-footed, isn't he? But looks a lot like Mickey Croissants. So you imagine it's going to be you know, one of this particular list. But I would say, given the evidence of the names that are linked, it looks like we're seeing who are on the, uh, the short list for this central midfield berth. At the back, obviously, we mentioned Llorente. Josko Gvardiol just being confirmed as having gone to Fizzy Leipzig, as you like to call them, Moscow, in your, your written reports. He's not signing for them until the 1st of July, so he's going in the summer and he's remaining at Zagreb now for the remainder of this season. He's absolutely messed his life up, hasn't he? Why? Just going to a, a fake team? Yeah, and not even going there for a year. And it's, I mean, you know, the whole thing of him not being ready to leave Dinamo Zagreb and he just sounds like a coward so fuck him I, I don't know if we need any more defenders anyway he would definitely be somebody that would be um, Pascal Stroke would have to sort him out on his first day and uh, what's his face Charlie Craswell as well who looks a, a big lad so I don't think it would be the, the right atmosphere at Thorpe Arch for Josko being relentlessly bullied by the big lads already here as for the rest of them it, it seems like we've got a big Adam Forshaw is dead list that we're trying to kind of bring a player in for that spot in the squad, which is interesting given that we've managed to win the league without him. And so it creates a, a strange dynamic. We were talking earlier about how well or how widespread Stuart Dallas and matches clicks dominance of midfield was against Sheffield United. And you kind of look at that and you think, well, you know, if they can play like that, we don't need another midfielder. 
But with the Llorente factor where he's been angling for a move to the Premier League for ages cause, and he wants to be in the first team because he's 27 and at his peak and Cuisance is moving because he, he was expecting to be in the Bayern Munich team this year, you can't imagine he's going to come to Leeds and just sit and watch Stuart Dallas running around for the next 35 games. It's been quite convenient for our kind of squad harmony that Adam Forshaw has just been incapable of playing. And I apologise for saying he's dead. You know, I would like to see him back and playing well because he he was um, very good at passing, wasn't he? <laughs> Still putting him in the past tense anyway. I think it's fine because I was reading up on Forshaw and this was this is the 15th of September. So it's, he said he's, he's going to miss out with a minor hip injury, fail a late fitness test. So... He's surely back pretty soon. Oh, sorry, that's 2019. 2019, that was. I do feel bad for him because he was clearly a good... I mean, again, I should stop putting him in the past tense. He's a good player. I, I mean, and we were playing very well when we had Forshaw in the team at the start of last season. The the one prospect for it is that it could be the Tyler Roberts, Pablo Hernandez place that's up for grabs. And so you have a midfield of croissants, click and Dallas... But then we don't always play Dallas there, so it would be Phillips, Click and Croissants. But then Rodrigo is only getting in the team to, for that Roberts and uh, Hernandez spot. And if Pat Bambo keeps scoring all his goals, he's never going to play. So it's kind of, I'm interested because we've not had this problem. Everybody's been very happy on those Bielsa lines. Small squad, everybody's involved, everybody gets a game. Um, and you had a lot of players who were kind of happy to play a bit part role. I think Alioski is likely to adapt to his super sub role this season and be perfectly happy with it. He'll get a game against Man City because um, unless Pervader starts because Harrison is suspended. But, you know, he'll play that role and be content with it because he came from the Swiss leagues and suffered through the, the first couple of seasons at Leeds with Christensen neck and bottom. Cuisance, Giorente don't really have that, that vibe about them where they're going to have the just happy to be here patience and willing to just get some games in the other 23s and some time off the bench don't sweat it Marcelo will sort it this is his job and he'll he'll be fine with it I'm sure he will I think it's not a it's not a worry it's an interest what about Dan James then where does he fit in quick word on him um this one won't go away he's apparently made noises about staying over there at that shithole but um it's all with the caveat that if they sign a winger then he'll reassess I mean I it seems, given the noises that sort of coming out of the club, that they feel like this is doable and you would imagine that there's some reason for that. But, I mean, who knows what goes on in the heads of the Glazers, Christ. I assume Victor Alter is the one that's setting up many hundreds of vicious Man United fan accounts on Twitter who just to throw abuse at him all day, just trying to, trying to gently persuade him that maybe a trip over the Pennines would be a good idea. I don't want him. <gasps> What's wrong with him? He's got a puppy. Yeah, I mean, if you put him and Ian Pervader side by side, Ian Pervader plays for Leeds, so fuck this guy. <laughs> he had his chance, he's fucked it up. Well, because they're not really his fault. I'm sure, you know, he could have, he was in the building, he could have locked himself in the toilets and refused to come out. Him and Josco Guardio can just go and form Failure FC together. Todd Cantwell, there was an interesting one. That raised a few eyebrows. It, it seems like the origin of that story was his agent maybe stirring things up, making a few phone calls. It made its way into the press and uh, it's not to be ruled out. I think it seems to be the the vibe. But if we do get Mickey Croissants, you can't see young uh, Todd coming in, can you necessarily? Well, he's more of a wide player, isn't he? From I mean, I try not to watch Norwich too much. So I don't think he's necessarily competing for the same position, but there's just something about him. I don't want him. I can't really explain why. Don't like his face. You enjoy his TikTok account? No, I don't. Do you? Well, he's not as good as um, when Calvin Phillips has been on there. He was um, Calvin Phillips propping up on his girlfriend's TikTok was one of the highlights of the start of lockdown when he was romping around in his house with a puppy. See, Dan James isn't the only one with a puppy. I've not really looked into what, yeah, Todd Cantwell, he seems to just like put up a, yeah, I'm looking at a clip of him. He's made himself of his goal celebrations and his celebrations shit. He does a kind of a, a little silly dance. Yeah. And doing that after a penalty is a bit much. And he's actually, there's not many. There's only six of them. And yet he somehow has 17.8 thousand followers for his six videos. 
Um, the most popular one is him doing a, um, it looks like a, a shape-shifting into a lookalike for some actor I feel like I should know the name of. So that's my cultural review for the day, getting, getting involved with, uh, with what all the youth are up to. And so having systematically dismantled him, we look forward to welcoming him into a white shirt. Welcome, welcome Todd. Yeah, we can d- delete this section if he signs. <laughs> we'll file this one under internet bollocks, shall we? Ross Barkley, because uh, we're not going to be signing him from Chelsea, are we? I doubt we can afford his wages, can we? He'll be on about a billion pounds there. And presumably if, if Frank Lampard can't coach him in the right way, I mean, who? what chance has Bielsa got? And Frank can't afford to be letting him go. He's not got a very big squad. He needs all the reinforcements he can get. So, um, And he's been saying, Chelsea, they may be signing all these players, but they've got to build uh, from within. Can't just be throwing out one team and building another. Ross Barkley, the uh, absolute heartbeat of uh, Stamford Bridge. So I can't imagine Lampard letting him go. Frank Lampard strikes me as a man who would put a glass in the bin rather than have to wash it up. Just be like, ugh. There's too much trouble in it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. We've got Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, They got hammered by Leicester this previous weekend. They beat Wolves in the opening weekend, but mixed form, I reckon we dick them, don't you? I mean, Wolves have just lost 4-0 to West Ham. So uh, what playground maths can we apply to this? We beat, uh, I don't know, I can't look it out. I think we're going to win about 4-0. We're better than West Ham, aren't we? So 5-0. There is a serious question, surely, about us getting at their back line because they were terrible against Leicester at the back. Yeah, and their solution's been to go and spend Frank Lampard-style money on a, a new defender, and that's great, but he won't be ready for Saturday, will he? And even if he will, like it doesn't look like... I think we're finding maybe the one problem with Pep Guardiola is he can't tell defenders anything. I'll probably need to look at his... Bayern Munich side's defence and probably find out that they never actually conceded a goal in the entire time he was there and then I'll sound like an idiot but if he has successfully coached a defence I mean his Barcelona team was all about midfielders in defence wasn't it and they just passed the ball around and um, didn't really have to tackle anybody because Lionel Messi would just put them 5-0 up and then it didn't matter after that the other team would be too demoralised to attack his Bayern Munich team got absolutely battered by Real Madrid in the Champions League. I can vaguely remember that. Yeah, now he's got to the point where his Manchester City team are getting battered by Leicester and Wolves. So it's kind of... I mean, they, be- they did beat Wolves. Uh, it was an unfair result. I'll, be, uh, I'll, I'll give it a bit of the Chris Wilders. <laughs> um, but it, it it does seem... It was... Uh, who beat them in the Champions League? Was it Lyon? Yes. And they were shitting that as well, weren't they? So it's all set up for us. And Bielsa is overdue a win against Pep he didn't have a very good record. Certainly the, the last game he, he played against them, he referred to it in his Spygate, the illicit scouting press conference, where he said um, he, he gave the dossier to Pep Guardiola after the match and Guardiola said he'd never seen 
such insight, such great detail and such exhaustive research. And Bielsa kind of shrugged us as well. You know, for all the good it did us, we lost 3-0. And I watched that game back. It was the final of the Copa del Rey. And it was awful. Bill Powell were just terrible. I think it was 3-0 by half time. And it was, yeah, just an absolute mess. His first game against Barcelona as Bill Powell manager was a 2-2 draw. I watched that one as well. That was a kind of a rain-affected performance, which had a, a bit more to it. They looked quite even messy in the rain. Is kind of dilutes some of his skills, not in the way that a, a witch in Oz dissolves, but um, and also he scored the 90th minute equaliser, so he actually did fine. And then the other game was a 2-0 defeat. But, I mean, Barcelona were really good and Manchester City are t- terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're not... We should probably give them a little bit more credit than we are doing. I mean, they are a very, very good team. When did they last win anything? Uh, two years ago. Or did they win something last year? They probably won something last year, didn't they? League Cup or something? But, I mean, you can say that about history. It's not long since they won something, blah, blah, blah. It's also not long since they were in League One. So how good can they be? It's a good point. And we do have a genuine problem to tackle this weekend, and that's the Jackie Harrison uh, problem, who is on loan, obviously, from Manchester City, so he can't play at the weekend. What do we do? We play with 10. I think we should put someone else in the team instead. Nah, I don't need it. Make a point. Ian Pervader has a point to prove, surely. We'll bring Ian Pervader on as a substitute for the vacant spot on the wing when we're already 3-0 up. It's all about power, the Premier League. Even if you haven't got it, you've got to pretend you have. What about a sensible answer to that? What are we going to do without Jackie Haradona? I think he might go with Alioski, actually, just because I think he trusts him a bit more, even though... Pervader is probably the more attacking option. I think he might just stick with uh, with Janny over there because he can also do probably quite a good job on their fullbacks if, or, who are going to push forward a lot. So that's what I'd put my money on. Alioski versus Kyle Walker. I can't wait. I mean, how many penalties did City giveaways last year? It was three, wasn't it? Alioski is going to win three on his own. Just, just. I mean, looking at the the right side of their defense, if it's the way that who scored dot com have it. Alioski running between Kyle Walker and John Stones. I mean, we've got nothing to worry about in this match, Haradona or not. And Mendy on the other side just fucking loves Bielsa, so we won't try. Predictions for this one then? I think it will be our first defeat of the season. Why? Don't know really. Just don't just think it will be. Because they get they are dead good, Bosco. That's why. They're dead good. Are you not counting the uh, opening day defeat to Liverpool as a defeat then? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, there was that one as well, wasn't there? Yeah, I have actually. All a proper one, though. Joking aside, I've made the same mistake when I was I was writing something. It might be Michelle Fujian match report, and I was something like two wins and a, and a draw so far this season. <laughs> I was like, why just giving us a, a, a draw against Liverpool for no reason? I think we'll win this. I, I mean, I'm joking to an extent about City's shitness, but they're not playing well. They're not in good form they are there to be got at at the back and although Bielsa has a it's one draw and two defeats against Guardiola when it from his time as Bilbao manager he is also the person who encouraged Guardiola to become a manager is essentially his his forefather his godfather his his mentor his golden lights his Buddha his god his life he can take him to school this time we're in the premier league but we are not just tourists we are here to shake the whole show up uh we've already made it miles better on the evidence of the opening weeks but we're not going to stop there are we let's fix it once and for all what is wrong with the premier league this week what are we fixing well part of the deal with the premier league and why it's a big tv product is because when you get into it and you get all your tv all your tv money part of the deal is you have to put your managers up for a huge amount of stuff so they have to do they have obligations to do post-game things, pre-game things, and you can't really get out of it. So they have all this access to Bielsa, and they just keep asking him stupid fucking questions. There was a, a question at the end of this game, which was about him taking Rodrigo off, and he said, no, he was, um, it was because I wanted to keep Bamford on for set pieces, and but it was a mistake because Bamford was tired, so I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have taken Rodrigo off instead. And then he was like, oh, but... 
you know, Bamford got the goal, didn't he? So maybe it was the right decision. And he just has to go, no, well, that was that had already happened, you fucking dick. And and then he asked, he followed the question with the follow up question was like, oh, you seem quite nervous towards the end. And he was like, yeah, because it was um, we were winning by a single goal and it was quite tight. She's like, what a waste of fucking time. You might as well just let him go. He doesn't want to do it. Just let him pop off to the dressing room. Let his poor translator have a bit of a break because he just looks constantly scared. This is the other side of all the the constant criticism of Bielsa not speaking English. He may not speak the language of the country he is in in public, but he says a lot more than any other manager does, um, even if he is saying it in Spanish and you know, those questions and his answers expose just the absolute banality of what other managers do say, right, you know, Steve Bruce might speak perfect, impeccable Queen's English, but what does he actually ever fucking say that's interesting? He doesn't, he thinks was is a word. And, and because he never says anything interesting, nobody tries asking him anything interesting. And so when somebody interesting comes along, you just end up in this position it is quite hard to find a counter-argument against this, but I will say this. One thing I do like about these post-match interviews is that we get to hear from Marcelo and we get these nice little shared moments between him and his new translator now. They're quite a nice double act. And I know the questions are breathtakingly inane and make you want to put your foot through the telly. But we also get to hear his lovely voice. And when we don't see his eyes, obviously, because he's staring at the ground. But it's lovely to hear from him full stop. And, I, and I'm glad they happen. It does also... As much as it tends to annoy some of the um, more limited fans of Sheffield United on Twitter, it does also actually show how much English he does understand because he ends up correcting his translator, who is there to do that job for him. He ends up going, no, he didn't make sure you say that right because he's obviously hearing the way he's, he's putting it across and doesn't quite like it. So I suppose it's worth seeing seeing that side of it. It gives us a proper chance to be superior-sounding knobheads as well because... While everybody's complaining about our manager not speaking English and then um, the questions are, are rubbish, it gives all Leeds fans the opportunity to come on and go, well, our manager isn't intellectual, don't you know? And you don't even deserve to ask him your banal questions, which is um, great for us because we had fucking Paul Heckingbottom before and we had Steve Evans and we had the monk bot just banging on about the group 24-7, spitting it out like a, a broken receipt machine. So it's a it's a rare opportunity for us to be like, <laughs> our manager, isn't he wonderful? You idiots just don't understand him. Marcelo Bielsa said that Leeds should win. Chris Wilder disagreed. How will we settle this argument? Well, with dispute resolution, of course, one of the services offered by Levi Solicitors, who... Uh, one of our sponsors here on the podcast. Do give Levi's a nudge if you've got legal stuff on the agenda, whether it's moving house, family law matters like wills and probate, they have got you completely covered. And there's a 10% discount for you too. So get in touch at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains time then now. Ken Bates Villainy Award comes first. Ken Bates comes first in the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Those are the rules. Uh, what's he done? I mean, we're going to use now Ken Bates as a, as a mechanism to try and sell things, which is a it's a great tribute to him in many ways, but the as I talked about on this week's extra ball, the uh, the six four defeat against Preston. Simon Grayson, all he wanted was Gareth McCauley. That he could have prevented that, but instead we had to watch Neil Collins and Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, worse than Steve Bruce, it was the child. <laughs> of course, it was. It's the spawn. <laughs> Having a great day today, Michael, aren't you? Well done. Somebody had to have sex with Steve Bruce in order for, in order for that defence to assemble <laughs> oh, to geez. face Preston in 2010. Fucking hell. Oh, mind bleach. Uh, right, who else? BT Sport. I know we, we talked about the, um, the preponderance of bucket references and ignoring the evidence of their fucking eyes when they were talking about whether it should be sponsored or not. Um, and obviously we dealt with Robbie Savage last week, but there was a moment at, um, at half time when I looked at the screen and I could see Robbie Savage and I could also see Michael Brown. And then I haven't seen anything since because I threw bleach into my eyes and then my entire body out the window, which is not the way to keep an audience. 
No, who else are we nominating then? I'd be interested to know this has gone down in your house, Dan, actually, as the, um, as the father of a, a boy who plays FIFA. No, no Ellen Road going to be in it at the start anyway. This is FIFA the computer game, by the way, not FIFA the football thing, money machine, whatever you call it. <laughs> well, everybody who's played that will know that it goes EA Sport. It's in the game. Turns out it's not, is it? Which is bollocks. It can go and support Spurs again, can't it, I suppose? Yeah, I was going to say, from your lad's point of view, as long as there's a cheese room for him to mess about in, he's not bothered, is he? Listen, we're winning that battle. He's already earmarked the um, the stripey away kit as the one that he wants. No interest in Spurs stuff anymore. We're gradually getting there. So just, you know, long game and all that, long game. Uh, but that game won't be FIFA 21. It's probably not strong enough for a, a hero nomination, but kit looked nice, didn't it? I thought it was all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not convinced by all the stuff that Adidas has done this year. But I like that. I think they've given us a decent set of kits so far. Can't wait for the maroon. Have you seen Leicester's maroon away kit? That looks really lazy. Like they've just thrown that together off some crap templates. That's what I'm just hoping we don't get. I look forward to pretending it's a good kit in a week's time then. Other nominations. Uh, we need to nominate uh, Harry Kuehl for corrupting young Alfie McCalmont. He's got absolutely no right to have anything to do with Leeds whatsoever, the twat. Although I'm quite pleased he's ended up at Oldham as manager. It seems like... a a suitable sort of punishment for some of his crimes because I'm sure he, he never pictured himself managing there but there he is in an empty stadium on the top of a freezing fucking hill good getting beaten by his former club as well Crawley went there and did them didn't they Crawley can't have a team can they it's ridiculous they're even in the football league any further nominations this is on behalf of Frank Lampard actually Rodrigo for the uh, attempted murder of one of his, the, his brave Chelsea boys that shot that I mean, admittedly, my reaction was not, I hope that young man's okay. It was, I can't believe we stopped the game when we were attacking it. But then when you saw the replay of it, he did. Um, well, I think BT described it as a, an important block, but it wasn't really a block. Well, he did block it, but he wasn't meaning to block it. The ball just absolutely twatted Ethan Ampadu in the side of his head. And he had a little sleep. Vicious. Vicious from the Spaniard. Can't be having that sort of thing over here. Don't one of Frank's brave boys. Um, who's your... Villain of the week. I mean, Savage and Brown at the same time is not a, a good thing. Or maybe you for um, talking about Steve Bruce mating. That's another bad thing. I mean, it, maybe you for describing it in such clinical terms. Perhaps it wasn't it wasn't as uh, as cold as merely mating. Perhaps it was a prolonged, passionate hour of love. I've got the phrase "beast with two backs." Just. Rattling around in my mind. I just need to externalise it so I feel better. The uh, the thing about Savage and Brown making it to the BT Sport coverage is the 16 years that we've been away, we are kind of exposed to this because the players who are of an age to kind of step into the breach to to pretend to have any expertise about Leeds United, who who could you replace Michael Brown with in this scenario? Luke Varney? Tongi? Is he stepping in? Yeah, is, is Paul Green? I mean, Paul Green, he now has his football factory in Pontefract, doesn't he? Rival to the words of the sweet smells of Haribo from down the road. Going to have Paul Green coming on to give his expert opinion on Leeds United. I noticed Heckingbottom was at the game because he's a lead under-23s coach at um, Sheffield United now. Is he going to crop up? do some expert analysis. We've got a long road ahead of us, but I feel like BT Sport could have maybe been a little bit gentler as Steve Bruce probably always was with his dear lady wife um, than hitting us straight with Savage and Brown. So yeah, they're the, they're the villains in my eyes. BT Sport taking the crown this week, then okay. And EA Sports, just buck your ideas up. We've got our eyes on you. Let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award, then people what done good things. Let's go through our, our first team players then quickly. Bamford, 3-3. Three and three. You were absolutely right, Moscow, that he's going to score 38 goals this season. We're right on course for that. He is unstoppable. And as we said before, he's still not very good, in the words <laughs> of the uh, Sheffield United supporter. It will dog him forever. It's always going to be, you know, he'll win the World Cup for England. And everybody's like, got quite lucky with the winner though, didn't he? I think Meslier should be in there as well. I mean, I think ever since his Arsenal debut, his debut at Arsenal, we've identified him as the best goalkeeper in the world, but uh, he's just cemented that this weekend. I mean, that save, we didn't... I know we talked about it on the match ball. We haven't dwelt on it enough as we revisit that. 
When was the last time you saw a Leeds United goalkeeper make a save that good? It's been years, hasn't it? I was saying, I put on Twitter that, where does it rank in the sort of all-time great saves? And I really can't think of many others that are as good as that. It was pointed out that Kiko made a very good one at Huddersfield, but I'm going to choose to ignore that. Well, I was going to say, because the complication of the question with Melier is he made another really good one. Because the the one that was heading to his top corner, I mean, that player, was it Basham or it was somebody else? Lundstrom. No, it was Lundstrom in the six-yard box. And then it was after that when he turned Jackie. Oh, that was Baldock. Baldock. There we go. He hit that ball really hard and it was going in the goal. Melier, another really good save. So the thing is, yeah, Kiko made one good one. When did he make another? Well done to super-duper Liam Cooper as well. 200 games under his belt and set to overtake potentially some big names this season you know, as long as he stays injury-free. One more and he's Brian Dean level. And then he's got Dorigo 208 and right up to Becchio at 221. He could be getting past this season. So it's quite nice to see a few players in there as well. I was looking down the list and Dallas and Phillips, all being well, will break the 200 game mark this season as well, which is, it feels like it's been a while that we've had a, a core of players who are actually notching up some decent appearances compared to the years when we used to just change the entire squad every summer. As an indication of how damaged the last 16 years have left me, I was looking at this list of appearances and seeing 220 Jordan Bataka, 228 Matthew Smith, and really having to think who these players are. But it's um, it's Joe Jordan, isn't it? And Alan Smith. That's correct. Thank you. Should have been Bataka, but he was wrongly discarded. If there was any justice in the world. Marcelo Bielsa perennial nominee but we need to give him a mention for those post-match interviews because they are compelling um, despite the bloody inane questions I know it upsets a lot of people but he is in the most understated way possible he is absolutely box office just because of the way he is on the other side of this particular fence Chris Wilder needs a nomination as well an unlikely hero you might think but you know Iron Man you know he's got that glowing kind of battery thing on his chest that keeps him alive I'll be honest I don't (laughs) well you don't need to know you just need to know that it does Chris Wilder, he's basically got the same thing. I think his bitterness towards Leeds is what sustains him and keeps him alive. And that, in turn, sustains me and gives me great joy. Related to Wilder, I know I was saying earlier that it's refreshing to see a manager who is such a staunch supporter of their own club. Frank Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sort of fulfilling the, the same role, except I think they'll both probably be getting new kits soon. I've got that thing about with Frank Lampard where, I mean, he's he's in the hero list here because of the way that Chelsea are absolute garbage at the moment, but it won't be long before Chelsea is forgotten and his status as a, a West Ham died in the claret and blue, born in a bubble, will be back in his life story. No one is a bigger fan of Frank Lampard than Frank Lampard. The pair of them, Solskjaer and Lampard, are bringing great entertainment to the sport of football at the minute because they are both hopelessly out of their depth, and I like that a great deal. Um, Jermaine Beckford, however, what a gentleman. He's a guy we can look up to. He helped a lady who'd fallen when he was on his way to Bramall Lane for doing talk sport commentary duties, and he made himself late because, quite frankly, the man's a hero. I didn't see this, but I'm not surprised by it. He seems a, a good type. You did see it. You saw that lady, and you ignored her when she fell. In fact, you, <laughs> you laughed. He stayed with her until the emergency services had come to look after her as well. That's why he was so late. He didn't just give it like a kind of a, a passing glance and he didn't do a, a Jamie Carragher, just spit at her through the window. It was a full, full caring. It almost makes me want to go to wherever Jermaine Beckford lives and kind of just faint in the street so he can come and give me a cuddle. I always remember the uh, the highlights of, the, of him scoring that goal against Bristol Rovers better than the fact that it got us promoted out of League One was when he was lying on the floor and embracing Luciano Becchio and to kind of role-play that scenario. I'll be Luciano. He can be Jermaine Beckford and we'll hug on the floor. Any more then or are we done? I mean, I know we, we mocked it as being epoxy league early, but I'm not watching any of the games. I'm certainly not watching Quest or anything because Christ done enough of that over the years. But the championship's funny, isn't it? Just having a look. I just I only really looked in because I saw Derby were losing 4-0. Well, it was 3-0 actually when I, when I first checked in on it. And then just a little glance at the table. I mean, Wickham aside, who I've no particular grudge against, but just reading down from 16th, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough. That's COVID calling there with two points from three games. We've not really mentioned that, have we? Because in case he dies, because he's quite old. But he's had it a while now and he still seems to be going. 
Preston, Barnsley, Forest, Derby, Wickham. Gary Monks, Sheffield United, bottom. Gary Monks, who? Mate, you're having trouble today. You are having trouble today. You just said they were Sheffield United. Christ. Uh, Gary Lineker did that the other week, didn't he? He got him confused. I thought you were, then, you were about to get Gary Monk and Gary Lineker mixed up. <laughs> I meant Gary Lineker's Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Whoever he manages anyway. They are bottom. And, and by a distance. I know, it's quite a... I don't know what's happened to have those points taken off. I don't know why um, Derby also don't have points taken off, but it's a strange a strange division. We were saying earlier that there's the uh, the amusement levels of watching Lampard and Solskjaer floundering around it, scum and scum. If only these two things could be put together somehow. You know, the, ch- the entertainment factor of the championship enhanced. I mean, Lampard's been there. And he was box office. Could go there again. Take Solskjaer too. Oh, but we did. We need to give Forrest a more specific mention as well, actually, for their chasing down of us at the end of last season. I did notice this week they're still, including this season, still haven't got enough points to get past our pre-lockdown points total. Ten points they've taken since lockdown. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Um, I will say this regarding the championship. I finally watched episode six of season one of the Leeds documentary on Amazon. I haven't been able to do it up till now, and it wasn't as bad as I thought. Because we're in the Premier League now, I'm brilliant. And we're going to Europe. It's fine. Yes, yeah, I watched it when it came out and it, it was still quite raw. Right, who's your hero of the week? Spider-Boy for me. Yeah, fair enough. I know there's some, uh, there's an argument for Jermaine Beckford for cradling an old lady until she was uh, received help. But I'm sure in a similar position, Melier would have done it too and he would have had at least six arms with which to, to cradle her, assuming he was standing on his other two. Could have probably prevented the fall in the first place. Just one minor objection to what you're saying there, Moscow, in that we deferred Bamford getting a Hero of the Week award last week because you said he'd get it this week after we defeated Sheffield United. But are we to assume that he's the guy who slays Man City at the weekend and just defer it another week? Yeah, definitely. We're keeping him hungry. Uh, We'll settle for nothing less than four in four and then we'll consider giving him the Hero award. All right then, well done, Spider Boy. You are our hero of the week. Andy Hughes, hero of the week, no less. I'm going to go and have a lie down. I'm getting all, I've got very confused today. <laughs> if you want to listen ad free and get early access to the Matchball Plus full digital access to the magazine, do check out TSB Plus, our new subscription package. Details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Cheers for listening to this one. We'll catch you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. 